Howdy, hey, horror huns. Howdy, howdy. It's me, Meg. I'm here with the semi-tipsy bestie. V. (laughs) (laughs) I decided after the week I've had, I am gonna drink for this episode. (laughs) And I am not. I'm living my best sober life. Shout out to all you sober girlies. I have not- Straight edge huns. I got that X on the back of my hand. (laughs) Oh my god, no, I haven't drank anything. Like, I haven't had a drink since my birthday weekend. So, here I am. It's hot outside in the UK, and that is any excuse to drink for us. <laughs> well, there's there's so many excuses to drink, but for me, this is one of them. Yeah, so I'm excited for this episode. I feel like it's going to be rowdy. We have a good energy today. Yeah, this isn't one of my favorite topics, and I'll get into why yeah definitely the uh, the literal little bit of horror news we have this week because i have seen jack shit and meg has seen jack shit yeah it's been a slow we have been blessed (laughs) we have been blessed over the past few weeks with all this horror news and then this week nothing it's like a desert but i've got two bits of news well two bits yeah two bits of news one is not really horror but in a way is Okay. And the other bit is about a horror film that's going to get released, which I think could be quite funny to cover. Ooh, but okay. the first bit of news is Kevin Smith is opening his own film school. I, you know how much I love Kevin Smith. Me too, baby. That's why I said it's kind of horror, but not really, because... He's done a couple of horror films. Yeah, he has. Um, honestly, that makes me so happy. Like, I'm so happy for him. Um, me too. I, that's incredible. Um, wow. I didn't even know that. And I follow, like, I follow, like, a lot of his his stuff on social media. Like, I'm a big fan of Tell Him Steve Dave, Comic Book Men. I've seen all of his movies. So I didn't even know that. That's amazing for him. Like... And yeah. he is he has such like a unique brand of filmmaking that I feel like we don't see enough of. Um and that's really awesome. I'm happy for him. It's like Tom Savini opening his own makeup school when he yeah. did that. It was a lifelong dream and a passion of his, and I feel like Kevin Smith is the same. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of alumni come out of this and what kind of films they make. Fingers crossed, it's horror films. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be super cool. Yeah, I'm also really excited for Clerks 3. I know it's not mm. horror-related at all, but, like, oh, there's just bestie, something when the me. news is slow, we got to talk about other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so congratulations. That's awesome. The last bit of news I have is um amityville thanksgiving is being released in november yeah i have been seeing a lot of um people talking about that i'm interested because we need some more thanksgiving horror i know you don't like really understand it untapped market but um i'll have to send you a short eli roth did a thanksgiving short a couple years ago and it's actually really fucking good see (laughs) The earliest representation I've had of Thanksgiving was from the Adams Family film, where I was Wednesday literally about was to say the, the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, "You may have a point there." She's not wrong, not at all. She is not wrong, and I'm surprised. It's going to sound weird. I'm going to say this, but I'm surprised that the British don't, you know, celebrate Thanksgiving because. Technically, we evaded the US, and we were the ones that technically created thanksgiving um but yeah i'm interested to see that one um Mm. it looks cheesy and um everything that we need this is the thing i i've seen um what is it turkey thanks thanks killing (laughs) i've seen things about that and it looks really fucking ridiculous and i think we need to just cover more ridiculous films like that yeah i've got nothing because we don't celebrate in the UK. We celebrate um, Guy Fawkes Day, which I had to explain to Meg what that was. Yeah. You know, it's like an early Christmas, isn't it? Without it's, the presents. 
Yeah, so it's just like you take away the best part of Christmas and then we're just sitting in a room with each other. What the fuck? It's hot. The stove's on. Like, ew. It's like a test run for Christmas because it's literally a few weeks before Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, it's the last Thursday in November. That's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Don't look at me, dude. Don't look at me. What a weird tradition. (laughs) What a weird tradition. As I say that about Guy Fawkes. Well, bonfire night. <laughs> hey, I don't question anything the UK does anymore because yeah, because you guys don't release <laughs> horror when the rest of the world does. So you guys are just like delayed <sighs> behind. Yeah. So I obviously I've complained about this many a times on here, especially with Nope. But I recently found out that Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is not going to be released in the UK until the fucking twelfth of September. And I'm so excited for that film. When are they, like, they need to just go ahead and put a lineup of when they're going to be releasing films because it feels just like they just shit on you guys right close to the premiere day. Yeah, unless um, it's a British horror, it does not get released for, like, three, four weeks. And it pisses me the fuck off because when, you know, the fact that we have a horror podcast and I feel like i'm in a third world fucking country with horror films because i can't see them because they're not released how am i supposed to do my fucking side hustle you know how are we supposed to enjoy the love and joy of horror films together if they're not fucking released at the same time well i told you i'm not gonna go see bodies 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 until it comes out over there so we can talk about it but i hope that they release pearl on the same day because you know i will not be able to shut the fuck up about it it's gonna pain well they did for x they did for X and Men, so I don't see why. I think A24 has got it down. Well, no, A24 does Bodies, Bodies, Bodies as well. Yeah. What the fuck, A24, huh? We have some questions for you. You're letting me down. What I'm super upset about that you haven't seen is what we do in the shadows, because I feel like this season is so different from the others, like, so different. It's hilarious. Uh, I keep seeing things about it. And obviously, I haven't seen um, Our Flag Means Death because it hasn't been released in the UK <laughs> yet. Um, haven't seen the newest um, season of we, What We Do in the Shadows because I fucking love that show and I showed my parents and they really enjoy it. So the pictures I've been seeing of Nandor have been making me wet myself so much. Dude, that... <laughs> he is my himbo love. Yeah, I am in love with Nandor. He's my favorite character, and this season is super Nandor heavy, which makes me very happy. Um, But he, I swear to you, like, I love them all, but he is the funniest fucking character. Like, he is so funny. Like, me and him, we see each other. Um, But <laughs> in this most recent episode... Um, we get to see Doug Jones out of like a character. He is not Doug Jones, but like he doesn't have a face full of makeup, which Val and I were talking about is like refreshing to see because he still kills it even when he's not in a full face of makeup because he is that bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I just feel like advertisements are also rubbing it in my face because. Um, Natasia, who plays, what's her fucking name? Naja. Yeah, she's in um, this um, BBC Free show that I keep getting advertisements for. And I'm like, you're just rubbing it in my fucking face. I can't watch her in what we do in the shadows. And I love her. I have a big fat crush on her. I mean, I have a big fat crush on all the cast. Yeah, to be honest. Just Harvey Gillian is just something matt berry oh my god that man could get it oh get it okay maybe not um like that but they're all cute in their own way nandor could get it but you know i i've loved matt berry because he was in the um it crowd Oh yeah, that the UK that one, show, not the US about... one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It like, is one of my favorite. Sh- it's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> I love it so much. Speaking of I favorite shows, we switch shows. We um made yeah. each other watch shows that the other one wanted to watch. So I made V watch Penny Dreadful. V, please give me you your didn't thoughts. Make me. 
you didn't make me. You just <laughs> made an ultimatum that I could not say no to. Okay. Okay. The deal was. Yeah. The deal was. I watched two episodes of Penny Dreadful and Meg watched two episodes of Sandman because I recently just watched it and I am a fantasy girl. Like, you know me, I'm sci-fi, fantasy, horror. I like pretty much all genres, right? And Sandman just, I just really enjoyed. So I said to Meg, hey, please watch Sandman. And you're like, mm, not unless you are i'm sorry it's just so good (laughs) so i have accidentally watched the first season of penny dreadful i have not watched the second or third yet because i am trying to savor myself but you were right i love it and i confess to meg that one of my favorite stories in the whole entire world is the portrait of dorian gray and the way they portray him in the show is how I envision him. But I just want to see the fucking portrait. Do we see the fucking portrait? Please I'm tell me. I'm not going to tell you anything about God this show. God damn it, that's a yes then. I'm not going to tell you anything <laughs> about this show. I love their portrayal of um, Frankenstein and his creation. And um, damn, like, they literally, he ripped Proteus in half. And I really wanted you to see that because I was not, after the first episode of Penny Dreadful, I was not expecting it to be like that. And then that happened. And I was like, holy shit. Spoilers. If you haven't seen Penny Dreadful. It was the snapping on Van Helsing's neck for me. I was not expecting that at all. And it shook me to my fucking core. No, dude. Literally, just you wait. This show has so many moments where I'm like, holy shit. So um, I don't know if my heart can handle it. <laughs> I had to, like I told you, I am really bad about finishing shows. And so I did the same thing that you did. I kind of like spaced out watching the seasons. And then for the last two episodes, I did not watch them for like months. And then I watched them. And the entire last episode, I, I was bawling my eyes out. Like I was sobbing, dude. So, um... Yeah, and um, in return, I watched Sandman for you. Mm, you well, are currently watching I'm it. I'm currently watching it, yes. Because Meg is not a fan of fantasy. That's not her spiel. Like, I like it. It's okay. It's just not something that I'm, like, 100% drawn to. I like when something has, like, one foot in reality. So this was a, after the first episode, I was like, oh, Lord, I don't know. But I think I'm about to start episode four when he goes to hell. So him and Matthew are going to go to hell. It's interesting, like, all the lore, both um, you and my friend Stephanie were trying to get me there. You, you both, like, on the same day were like, have you seen Sandman? Have you watched the first episode yet? It's okay. I'm waiting for Look, it to evolve more. The f- the fact you're saying it's okay is enough for me. Because <laughs> I know you don't fuck with fantasy. And I am so appreciative that you're watching this for me. That's how I feel about you and... watching Penny Dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you knew I was going to fucking love Penny Dreadful. And I, I knew that you were going to either uh, love, hate, or we're in between with Sandman. But I really am appreciative that you're gonna continue watching a few more episodes yeah for me because i've had a very bad week oh (laughs) you're so welcome um that's why we're sending you all the voice memos today so v is already spoiled who lucifer is for me so i'm excited to like actually see her you fucking asked me (laughs) you did yeah 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 yeah. you um told me that it was Gwendolyn christie which is amazing because i'm a big game of thrones fan so i am excited to see her in this definitely (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're also on chapter six of until dawn as well yeah yeah i am wow chapter five I feel like shit's really popping off now because we're introduced to the psycho and wow. Wow. I'm still, we have talked about this via text message. I still feel very suspicious about this whole situation. The fact that Josh brought them there and the fact that he died. Like I, I was like with, um, 
Ashley. So I was Chris, right? Trying to make that decision. And he had like kind of like a lower level with Ashley, like on her trust. Like, you know how they show you the meters. And I was like, okay, I'm suspicious of Josh. So like if I kill him, my suspicion is gone. But it also will gain me points with Ashley because she will be happier with me because obviously like I saved her. And then I asked Val, I was like, what should I do? And they were like, let me look it up. And um, it said that he was going to die either way. So I'm just like, okay, so if I choose to kill Ashley or save Josh and kill Ashley and it still ends up saving Ashley, then she's going to be super fucking mad at me. So I don't want to do that. So I'm just suspicious why he brought them there and then ultimately to get killed I feel like there's some sort of revenge plot against the sisters, or maybe he gets killed and then becomes a Wendigo. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so excited for you to find out what the ending is for this, because when I first watched a playthrough of it, that ending shocked me okay. a bit. Um, okay. But the theories you have are really good. And here's my thing is like they're all assuming that the sisters are dead. Like, what if they aren't dead? Or what if they're Wendigos? I don't I I don't know. I don't know, dude. I don't know, but I'm very curious. I know. But I'm not gonna tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I hope that I didn't get Mike killed because I accidentally made him shoot that lock off. So I'm like, oh fuck. I hope I don't get Mike killed. Um I had that totem where it showed Matt falling and like cracking his head open and the deers didn't kill him or the elk or whatever it was. So hopefully that means that I'm past that point because, you know, he could have just toppled over that ledge. But I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> this game, it makes me very no. scared. And I don't normally scream or jump or anything at anything. But this game, like, I will scream and, like, throw the controller and then my dogs get mad and they start barking and they're like, what's going on? And then I have to pause the game and, like, recompose myself it's why people say it's one of the best horror games they've played because the story is good the gameplay is good the immersiveness is good like i think when you get to the end and you find out certain things you're gonna be like what the fuck okay cool well val also downloaded those two games in the dark pictures anthology so the first two, so that would be Man of Medan and Little Hope. And I'm very excited for you to play Little Hope. Yeah, and somebody on Twitter um, said to me that if I thought that Until Dawn was scary, they were like, wait till you play those games. So I'm interested. Um, and then Val downloaded Goosebumps and Friday the 13th that we're going to play together, right? Yes, I already have the Friday the 13th game and I've played it a few times. And I really enjoy it. There hasn't... So, do you know the whole situation with the Friday the 13th licensing? Mm-hmm. With the lawsuit and everything. So, because of that, they haven't been able to update the game in a bit of bit of time. A bit of time. But it's still good and it's still fun. But now that the lawsuit is settled, hopefully, fingers crossed, they can start updating the game again. Well, I yeah. will probably, like trip and die probably in like the first 10 minutes so it'll be a fun one i'm sure it will be interesting for sure (laughs) yeah so are you ready to get into today's topic you said it wasn't your favorite so i feel like you're maybe stalling for time here no no i'm not stalling for time i okay so our topic today is go for it meg what are we calling this episode i don't even know killer kids killer kids killer kids yeah what the fuck is up with those kids yeah what the fuck is wrong with those kids um today we're (laughs) gonna be talking about the trope in horror which is creepy killer kids Mm, yeah reason why i don't really like this trope is because i've got this weird thing about creepy child music so you know like music boxes when it's like the music plays and it's like really fucking creepy something in my head like it triggers my flight or fight response okay i mean like i get that um i'm already scared of children like the horror genre didn't really need to dig very deep for this one children are fucking creepy (laughs) children are fucking creepy (laughs) yeah yeah they are I, i think 
Yeah, I think the film with the films we're really going to talk about are probably from the ages ten and under, with a few like maybe a few older kids sprinkled in, but like they're mainly ten or younger. It's like little little kids. They're supposed to be seen as pure and innocent, um. But the children we're talking about today are. Anything but that. You go into movies and just the world with this preconceived notion that children are supposed to be cute. And um, when they're not, that can play out in so many different ways. Like, you can take this trope in a lot of different directions. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got four picks. Two are kind of similar, only because one is a piss take of the other. <laughs> and then apart from that the three other ones are very very different in how they portray these creepy kids so should we get into our first pick yeah sure i don't know which one we're doing so you tell me bestie so i think we should start with the earliest one which is the omen and that is from 1976 yeah, there's no escaping the evil that is in Damien in the Omen. I mean, he is the Antichrist. And throughout this series, you see him evolve and grow and become like a businessman and then like get into politics. And like, there's this whole like messy family angle to it. But like, for me, ultimately, this movie is like, okay, it kind of shows you that bad children typically turn into bad adults i mean yeah it's like one of it's like one of those sayings like kids aren't taught hate well have hatred in their heart they're taught hate mm. mm-hmm. so in a sense because of the way the omen is shown damien is an orphan and he gets adopt- adopted by these you know childrenless adults yeah, she, <laughs> she, I think she had a stillbirth in the first film. You said childrenless adults. I'm sorry. I was trying to figure out where my mind was going to go. And then <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, she, they have lost a child. Um, it was born stillbirth. And um, they say, why not adopt a baby? And um, that baby is the spawn of Satan. Mm-hmm. So kind of like in a sense that Orphan has taken the basically a similar premise to that, but changed it slightly. By the way, we're not going to talk about Orphan this episode. We're going to do a separate episode on the Orphan because Orphan First Kill comes out very, very soon. Yeah, it is. So we're going to do that separately so don't get mad of us if we're not talking about orphan because technically she's not a kid no (laughs) she is not but yeah so you can definitely see the inspirations this film has had on others absolutely absolutely and like i feel it's because the first movie in the series is really eerie like this child actor feels evil like i don't know what it is about him but like that church scene where he like goes crazy when they're driving up like that's chilling to me because like i've also yeah. um actually seen kids go crazy like this mm. um so it didn't yeah. too far <laughs> no so the actor who plays damien um harvey stevens um so they auditioned kids from um all over England and all over the US and when Harvey Stevens um auditioned they weren't well Richard Donner wasn't too sure on him at first so they went over the um church scene like they rehearsed the church scene and Stevens kicked Donner square in the nuts when they were acting out the scene and he was hired straight after that oh my god (laughs) <laughs> I, I will say I think that I have known some um, children that I would say could be the Antichrist. Um, there was one wailing in Marshalls yesterday. Um, so this whole situation seems to check out. Children are just demons. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and I say that as a new me, um, a new aunt. That's children aren't demons. Yes, thank you. thank you. She's a cute one, but she will grow up to be a demon. I guarantee. <laughs> Don't we all? So. Yeah, and like you said, it does. It has inspired a lot of other media. May I go over some of the fun little behind-the-scenes facts about The Omen? Please do. Because these are the most fucking notes I've written about any fucking film. <laughs> and I... Let's get into it. I don't know why. Okay. There's a lot. Yeah. This movie's iconic. Yeah. <laughs> so, Richard Donner, who is the director of this film, he didn't want to just make a franchise or relaunch the career of a retired, a semi-retired actor that appeared in this film. He wanted to make a film that scared the living shit out of people. And so he consulted with um, someone from um, Christianity and was like, hmm, what if people were actually scared that a child that was just um, roaming around was the Antichrist? So. That's how the premise of this film came about. And Gregory Peck, who plays the dad, mm-hmm. um, sadly, three months before shooting began on this film, his son sadly died after taking his own life. But his agent convinced him to keep working, so he continued to work on The Omen. And when he was flying to London to start production, his plane was struck by lightning. And this is where the beginning of the conspiracy that this film set was cursed basically began. Yeah, because I was going to so say, much shit happened. I thought that it was like supposed to be cursed. I'm pretty sure I've watched mm-hmm. Shudder's um, cursed film episode about the Omen. Like, there's a lot of weird shit that goes on. Yeah, yeah. So the Rottweiler dogs that they have in this film were so vicious that the stunt guy had to ask for extra protection on his padding because he was scared that these the, the padding he was wearing was not going to be sufficient enough. That's crazy. And even with the extra padding, it still was not enough. He got injured and one of the Rottweiler dogs would not let go and the stunt performer actually passed out from pain afterwards. Jesus, that's crazy. Yeah, Yeah, and Rottweiler dogs aren't really supposed to be that vicious. Yeah. So the fact that all these Rottweilers were so aggressive and so basically angry that they would not let go of this stunt performer, I think probably the trainer did something. Mm. But that's my conspiracy theory. Interesting. Because dogs don't normally act like that. Dogs get taught that behavior, like children. They get taught to be that aggressive. That's true. That's true. Um, so you know the zoom scene with yeah. the baboons? Y- yeah. Do you know how they filmed that scene? How? They decided to tranquilize a baby baboon and put it in the back seat of the car. And that is why the baboons were reacting the way they did. And the actress who plays Catherine... Yeah, her and um, the Stevens, um, who plays Damien, their reactions were genuine because these baboons wanted to get that baby baboon back. And she was saying in interviews after it, she was still traumatized after this film. She was like, "It, we were trapped. These baboons would not stop." She was like, "I, I felt claustrophobic. I couldn't get out." It's taking everything in me not to comment. Um, with something nope related, and I'm trying to mm. hold myself back for you. But I told you before recording, I can't stop thinking about that movie. I know, I know. But soon, bestie, soon. As soon as I watch it, you can Perfect. tell me. Amazing. That's really sad and kind of fucked up. Well, really fucked up. Yeah. And the last thing that I have is they also had to change the ending of this film so in the original ending robert was supposed to kill damien at the end but peck did not feel comfortable filming this scene as it was so soon after the passing of his own son so 
Donna suggested it end showing three caskets suggesting Robert, Catherine and Damien all died. However, the studio asked for an ending where Damien survived so that they could make more films. So that's how we got the ending that we did. And apparently Donna kept saying to Stevens, don't you dare smile, don't you dare smile. And that's how we ended up with Stevens giving that creepy little laugh and smile at the end of the film because he couldn't help but laugh and smile. He is so scary. Uh. And like I said, I have seen children like that where you're just like, (laughs) you are the fucking devil. That's such an iconic Mm -hmm. film too. Like, I don't think I could ever hear the name Damien without thinking about The Omen. (laughs) It's like Lucifer. You can't hear the name Lucifer without thinking about the devil. And when you've got such iconic names relating to such iconic devilish characters, you kind of think like, maybe I don't name my children this because the implications like the the association with that name you just think creepy little fucking kid but this is the thing i really like the name damien <laughs> and i really like the name lucifer as well i think they're just lovely names yeah you know? well that's that's a little bit on you maybe i think that might be saying something about you b <laughs> it's I, i'm saying it like i'm going to have my own children's name like you, I want to adopt and foster, and they will already have names with them because I want to go older. That's true. So I may just search out the Lucifers and Damien's. Okay, I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure you'll be able to find some. Um, so the movie that I want to talk about that we said is very similar is Little Evil from 2017. I feel like this is a very underrated movie. It's like The Omen, but make it like a dark comedy with kind of like a feel-good ending. I don't feel like a lot of people have seen this. No, which uh, is one of those things that I'm very annoyed about because Little Evil is funny. It came out in 2017 and is a Netflix original film. And if you know me, I love Parks and Recreation. So Adam Scott is... Just got a special place in my heart. So, of course, I had had to watch this film when it came out. Had to. Cause... Yeah, he's he's so funny in this, too. Um, so, basically, Gary, Adam Scott's character, marries... Um, I think that her name is Samantha. Mm-hmm. And um, Gary thinks that his stepchild, Lucas, is the Antichrist. Which... He is. Samantha um, so casually tells Jerry that... um, Hold on. While giving him a back rub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) While, like, seductively, like, oh, yeah, like, he was conceived during a cult ritual. Like, no big deal. I don't know who the dad is or anything. Like, haha, so funny. I'm I'm that quirky girl. But, yeah, um, he is the Antichrist. This movie is cheesy and funny and I just love it. So much. Yeah, it's got also little, like little nods to other little horror films. The one I mainly picked up on was Poltergeist. Like Lucas saying, yes. I can hear my dad through the TV and that's how we talk. And I'm like, mm, Poltergeist. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a silly, goofy, like if you're just, if you're feeling a little like, mm, you know, meh, just put this one on. It's like a light viewing while still having these horror elements that keeps it fun. Yeah. Um, when he, I think one of my favorite parts is when he was going to drown Lucas at the water park with these <laughs> sandbags. And then he saw the word love in the sky and he was like, you want to know what? Maybe I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but that, it, it has a heartwarming story in the end. I think in a way it's got subliminal messaging to taking on a partner's child from a different relationship and being the stepdad and having or stepmom and having that difficulty bonding that relationship with the child and you're constantly trying to look for that sign that you're actually doing a good job and this kid actually does love you and you know with love being actually written in the sky was a big big message 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. But, but I think... That's why I'm saying, like, it's easy to watch. Yeah, and when they sit down and both apologise to each other for <laughs> trying to kill them, <laughs> is, is one of those weirdly heartwarming scenes because before um, Gary takes uh, Lucas to the water park, uh, Lucas buries Gary alive. Yeah, so it's just like tit for tat. Yeah, um, but they do they do kiss and make up in the end, and I really would like to see like a buddy comedy sequel with um Gary and Lucas just doing like cute stepfather slash antichrist shenanigans. You know, I feel I would love that. I would watch that film. Me too. And the director slash writer Eli. Um, Craig also directed one of my other favorite horror comedies, um, Tuckendale versus Evil. I love that film so much. It's so dumb and so funny. So this film just has all those aspects as well of like dumb funniness. I, I, like I say every time, I love horror comedies, especially when they're done well. And this was done yeah, well, definitely. So. The next couple films that we're going to be talking about are both from Stephen King, which <laughs> he just has a knack for writing creepy kid stuff. The first one I want to talk about is originally a short story that was featured in his 1977 book called Night Shift, Children of the Corn. So basically, they took this story and made it into a feature film um, about weird, creepy children like it may not be the scariest film ever but it is eerie i feel like midwestern horror is very unique it's a niche market but i know that you like daylight horror how do you feel about this film i've read children of the corn so i want to hear your view point from just um so i'm literally just gonna read you the notes i have because it's not that very long okay i have no feelings towards this film i don't like (laughs) it i don't enjoy it only thing I enjoyed was learning that John Franklin, who plays Isaac, also played Cousin It in Adam's Family. That's all I've got written down. Oh, I don't miss for words. <laughs> this movie, it, it, it has very iconic, creepy children, but... <laughs> You're right. It's not the best. Also, they've got so um, many fucking films. Like, yes. Like, how did we take this entire story, like this entire short story, and just make it into number one, its own movie, and number two, a whole series? Like, it did not need to be that long. But I will say, religious cults plus children, I'm doubly scared. Okay. Like, this movie. And story shows you how easily persuaded children can be. Like, children are putty, and I feel like that lends... Children are dumb. (laughs) I feel like they lend themselves well to a cult story, because people in cults both just, like, kind of want that sense of acceptance. Mm, And so do They're also their tiny pea brains that easily molded. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of like what this um, shows you. I mean, Isaac led them. Like, how was it that easy to get all of these kids on board? What I was going to say, bribe them with candy and they'll do anything. Well, I think that would probably be like outlawed there. But, you know, um, I think it may have to do with the fact that he simultaneously looked like he was 12 and 47 at the same time. Like, yeah. But I will say, this is the second movie that um, shows kids that are evil wearing hats. So I think the main takeaway is that um, I'm avoiding children with hats now. Maybe there's a mind-controlling device in their hats, and if they take it off, they will, their little pea brains will explode. That's why they have to wear the hats all the time. <laughs> what the fuck? this one wasn't our favorite but like it is a very iconic creepy kid movie yeah also also the ending was anticlimactic as fuck yeah it's definitely like a slow burn that doesn't give you like a huge rewarding payoff but you want to come live with us sure and then nothing happens not even a final jump scare 
nothing. Yeah, it just, this one's a hit and a big miss. Mm, just read the short story. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe we shouldn't have taken the short story and made it into an almost two-hour movie. Maybe we shouldn't do that. But that's yeah. fine, because the other Stephen King creepy kid movie slash story that we're going to talk about, I feel like, is a banger. And that is Pet Cemetery. Yep. This is one of those flicks that I feel like really upset people. Like, my mom couldn't watch it. She read the book around the time when my brother was Gage's age, and she was like, no, I can't do it. Like, this movie really upset people. I, I, my notes are on the 2019 remake of Pet Cemetery, and Meg's is on the... 1989 version so different perspectives here yeah i've kind of never wanted to watch pet cemetery because i've got a weird thing about pets dying yeah i don't like pets dying on screen especially cats so the scene in penny dreadful where the cat's neck got snapped i wanted to cry but i didn't and you held it together i'm proud of you i held it together but yeah, I kind of never. If I know an animal's gonna die in a film, I kind of avoid it. It makes me very uncomfortable. But I did indulge myself in the 2009, and I've not read the book. I have not read Pet Cemetery either. Val's currently reading Pet Cemetery. It's the next one on my Stephen King list to read. But V, have you seen the 1989 version? Or have you only seen the 2019 version? Only 2019. I'm really like hurting right now because the 2019 version, I'm going to go ahead and say it with my whole chest. It fucking sucks. It sucks. It is nothing compared to the original. Look, I know the 2019 version misses out a lot. I know that. I have seen a lot of things that it misses out a lot. But I do enjoy that they reversed the child death in this film. Yeah, I I do see where you're saying that. Like, that was an interesting point. But I feel like this, that film really does not get the, get the supernatural suspense creep element to it. Also, because I feel like they aged her up in, in this 89 version. Like, Gage is quite small. Like, he's a he's a toddler um which is different from the 2019 version so i feel like it loses that kind of sense of oh they are definitely not supposed to be doing what they're doing right now Mm. but overall did you like the film did you enjoy the premise of it like what did you think about the story listen anything with wonder ghosts i am so fascinated with because obviously it's from um Native American tribes law, and that's obviously something we don't get really taught over here. So my first introduction to Windigos was actually um until dawn. Um, it was the first I've ever heard about this supernatural being, and then I learned more about it. And then when you know watching Pet Cemetery and discovering that. This is actually a story hidden within Native American um, folklore with Wendigos. I was even more immersed in the story. So I enjoy it for the Wendigo aspect. Okay. I encourage you to watch the 89 version because I feel like it's a lot creepier because he is smaller. Small baby. Yeah, he's a small baby. He's a small guy. Um... There is this scene where he kills Judd that is super memorable. He goes to, like, slit his Achilles heel, but they do that in the 2019 version, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gage sticks his little hand out from underneath a bed, and you see this little baby hand reach out with a scalpel. It is simultaneously the cutest and creepiest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. He gets him, like, on the floor and just, like, goes in. He's like, ah, rah, rah, rah. It is cute and scary at the same time. So I'm like, aw, but also, oh. 
I don't know how to feel about this. But I feel like, yes, it is definitely a a story about losing a child and how parents, that's like their worst nightmare. And they would do anything it takes to get them back. And I feel like the 89 version, the ending, there is gauges coming down at the hallway toward him. And he's like, knowing that he's inevitably going to have to kill his kid, like, he just went through hell to bring him back, and now he's going to have to kill him. But he also brings back the why. Like, I know in the... I'm going to call it the original film. In the original, he... Obviously, the wife dies, Rachel dies, and he's like, mm, if I bury her sooner, maybe I, she won't turn out evil. What kind of fucking logic is that? <laughs> Look, oh, it's she's not dead. Sound... Let me bury her while her body's still warm. It's not sound logic, but like I kind of see where he's coming from. Like this man's traumatized. I'm gonna give him a little break. I'm not. It's the most fucking dumb decision you've ever made. But then again, his mind is corrupted by the Windigo. Like Judd's mind was corrupted by the Windigo. So there, you can look at it this way. Um, but. In that scene, V, there's, like, flashes of, like, his child, like, doing, you know, stuff before he died. And it makes it so sad. Like, he's, like, riding a little bike and, like, then he's seeing flashing of him being evil. And I'm, like, that is sad. And it made me sad. And his death scene, he, like, sticks him. And he goes, not fair, daddy, not fair. And he, like, stumbles back. He kind of looks like he's drunk, I'm not going to lie. But I just don't feel like the 2019 version gave me those feelings. You know what I'm saying? Yes. There was a lack of heart and, like, emotion in there. I'm saying yes, even though I haven't watched the OG film, because I can't really compare them. Whereas you can, because you've probably seen the OG film and the newer version, so you can compare them, whereas I've only seen the newer one, so I can only really compare from what I've seen. Yeah, I get what you're saying. We'll reconvene, but um, I would say watch it. Okay. But, you know, you don't have to. I will probably watch it in like a year's time, because it's taken me that long to watch Penny Dreadful. Yeah, so we'll circle back you know, in 2023. See, <laughs> so you know how you don't finish finish programs? I don't even mm-hmm. start them. <laughs> okay, I get that now. Um, there is one movie that you haven't seen that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I've seen bits and bobs about it, um, but not really much. So this, the floor is yours. So this is a 2011 film called We Need to Talk About Kevin. And I'm curious to know what you know about this movie, if you know much at all. Hold on. Once I see the cast, I will be fine. Well, they cast Kevin perfectly since Ezra Miller is also a menace to society. So, you know, they got that on point. Yes. So I think... Listen, I don't, I don't think I've really retained much information. I know Tilda Swinton is in it, and I love her. She is amazing. Ezra Miller is just like you said, a menace to society, and they need to just cancel them off the planet of the Earth. Like the Flash film should not be released. But me and you will talk about that after the podcast because I've got theories about (laughs) Warner Brothers. Okay. Um. So I'm going to tell you about this movie, and I don't feel like it's going to spoil... Well, it will spoil stuff, but I'm not going to spoil the main part about it. That's fine. I'm pretty never going to watch it, so spoil away, baby. I'm just going to relax. Okay. I feel like maybe my speaking with you about it will change your mind, because this movie really, really stuck with me. Listen, even if you spoil it for me, I'm if I get that intrigued, I'll probably still watch it because I watched Deb okay. Meets Death Damn Kill Count and I still watch the films afterwards. Okay, perfect. So I will just say that this film is a heavy one, especially I feel like me watching it as an American in the age that we live in. It really stuck with me. And I feel like, yes, this movie is about Kevin, 
but it's more about his mother, Eva, and the guilt that she has to live with after he shoots his school. So this is a- Sorry, I didn't know the premise was he becomes a school shooter. Yes. So I feel like this entry is far more realistic, a more realistic representation of an evil kid, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, or I live in, at least. See, the things I see, I, I, I saw things about it, and like, people were like, you should watch, um, um, we need to talk about Kevin. No one ever mentioned that it was about school shootings. Spoiler alert, but I'm not, I will That's say insane. that he is- okay. I will say that he is not the typical school shooter. I will not tell you how so, because I oh. feel like the way in which he does this is a lot- Tell me. Is a lot more personal than just like a typical mass murder. And it's how he kills these people. So throughout the movie, you see that she struggled to connect with Kevin his entire life. It goes to show you that this sort of thing can be avoided because there are signs when someone is not mentally well. And you see her before when he is a child, like like a little kid and you see her after and the effects afterwards it has on her and basically her whole journey they don't give it to you in order so it's kind of like a disjointed film in that sense but you see everything that this mother has had to deal with um and it's it's really 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 sad and i feel like tilda swinton was incredible in this movie and i definitely recommend people watching it um like i said it's definitely more real than anything else that we've talked about it doesn't have a cult storyline it's not supernatural this is unfortunately how our society is right now and it is very rough to sit through in certain parts so i will just say that yeah like even though i'm not american i'm british if you couldn't tell seeing all the school shootings and all the mass murders that happen in the u.s it is heartbreaking because those kids aren't gonna grow up and i know when i watch this film it will probably still affect me as much as meg because i am very clued up on the news i like to keep myself clued up on what is happening around the world especially america considering you know my best friend meg lives in america uh i like to make sure that you know whatever news is happening one isn't around her so i'm not constantly (laughs) worrying um when the brianna taylor situation happened considering it was in louisville which you know is near meg it it just breaks my heart as an outsider to see such a first world country go through situations like this and it needs to be represented in the media. Like, yeah, people say it it's distasteful. Does. It's not. It needs to be shown. It needs to be represented because people need to face the reality that this shit happens. And it's happening daily, pretty much. Yeah. And there are people that will think that, um, like, fucking Alex Jones, that shit like this doesn't happen. And it does. And I feel like this movie really... Like I said, kind of, obviously it doesn't show you like what to look for, but it it sort of does. You can tell when a person should not be able to um, have weapons. And um, I don't want to say much more about it because I really don't want to spoil. Like I said, this is definitely a different take on a school shooting. I will just say that. Um, Does me talking about it. Do you feel like you would watch it? Yeah, now that I know the, that there is a... It's going to sound bad when I say it, but the school shooting aspect does entice me to watch it a bit more because there is not a lot of media representation in it. The only real media representation I've had is from the first American Horror Story with Tate. Yeah, yeah. Um. I would definitely recommend you watching it. Um, Like I said, it doesn't necessarily really focus on Kevin. Like, there's no super natural elements to it. Like, he wasn't possessed or anything. This 
more focuses on the people that he's around and his mother's guilt um, afterwards. So it's definitely a watch I recommend, but I say that with it is heavy. It's a heavy subject matter. I don't feel like they did it distastefully in any way, shape, or form. I could be wrong because I've never experienced anything like that but i do As feel you like shouldn't, it is... because that's not a thing you should experience in the world <laughs> yeah so um i think that it is definitely worth a watch to anybody but just be prepared that it's hard okay the fact that i'm gonna have to watch an ezra miller film <laughs> hurts me <laughs> but it sounds like a very interesting story and yeah i will give it a watch at some point. Okay. I'm not going to say it's going to be in the near future, but yeah, because you it... know the world's on fire and like you don't need to worry about another thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There is just so much shit going on in the world and you know, even though we do talk about a lot of serious stuff on this podcast, we hope that we could be like a little, you know, bit of sunshine for an hour or so of your day. Yeah, and that's a fucking rain cloud, so it's time to move on. <laughs> I'm sad now. Oh, Not to let's... bum you guys out. <laughs> but this is the thing, even though it is a hard topic to talk about, um, I can only talk about it from someone from another country viewing in from news I've seen and from, you know, your perspective. It is those hard topics that do need to be mentioned and do need to be talked about. Because if you don't talk about it, how are you supposed to raise awareness? And we want to make sure everyone is okay and has a little piece of happiness, even if it's just for an hour or so of their day. That's true. Um, But I feel like one thing that even if we are from different cultures or backgrounds can agree on um after this hour that we've just spent talking about them kids are scary and (laughs) Mm. um they're not to be trusted (laughs) no no kids teenagers adults humans are just terrifying (laughs) yeah but i feel like the creepy kid trope is it's a hit or miss genre like it's a mixed bag. Either it gets done super well, or it just is a flop. Children Listen, of the corn. Listen, this is going to sound bad, but I need to see more kids being killed in horror films. Because that ups the ante. It does up the ante. So that's why I'm saying like the killer kid trope is just the complete opposite of what most people want to be viewing because you want to see kids as these little angels um but as you can see in some of the movies that we talked about they are the literal devil um yeah it kids are terrifying i don't know how i'm gonna cope as an aunt (laughs) well here's the thing i feel like a lot of these movies too focus on like parents and children unlike children of the corn obviously but like you get to just say, here, you can have it back. Or have her back. I said it. That's, that's literally <laughs> you can have what back. I said to my co-workers first day. I was like, I can't wait to do all these things with her and then give her back at the end of the day. <laughs> Look, you're going to be the best aunt ever because you know that there is maybe a little inkling. There's a possibility, a chance that that's not your niece and her father is the devil. Oh, my brother is 100% spawn of Satan, but (laughs) he would probably say the exact same thing about me because I am his younger sister. We are going to get a tweet from your brother or an Instagram message from your brother that is like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I'm nice to my brother, okay? I'm nicer to him than he is to me. William, if you're Mm. listening to this, um... Please don't hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, William, if you are listening to this, you can tweet at us at Horror Huns Pod on Twitter, or you can send us a message at Horror Huns Podcast on Instagram. But yeah, that's all that I have for the Killer Kids trophy. Do you have any final thoughts for today's episode? Um, the fact is, even though we didn't mention the orphan today, 
hopefully next week's episode <gasps> we will be covering both orphan and orphan first kills and we are pretty excited for that absolutely so catch us next week where we talk about a film that completely flipped the creepy kid trope on its head bingo we will see you next week bye